Topic 1. Fifth Paper of 20th Century Negro Literature. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Shasta, Oakland, California. 20th Century Negro Literature. Topic 1. Fifth Paper. By Reverend Daniel Webster Davis. Did the American Negro make, in the 19th century, achievements along the lines of wealth, morality, education, etc., commensurate with his opportunities? If so, what achievements did he make? Randall and Charlotte Davis, who were valued servants on a Caroline County farm, found themselves, March twenty-fifth, 1862, the parents of a little black boy who brought gladness and sorrow to their hearts, gladness because the Lord had sent them a boy, and he was their boy, bone of their bone, flesh of their flesh, blood of their blood. Sorrow, because while he was their child, he was Marster's child, too. He belonged to Marster more than he did to them. War was raging. The Negro cabins knew little else but muffled prayers, stifled songs, unuttered sermons, all for deliverance. From the cabin to the broad fields of tobacco, these emotions and utterances were carried daily. Father preached, mother prayed. Singing was but the opening of the oppressed heart. Those were troublous years, heart-aching years, years of consecration, fixed and unceasing, to the God of freedom. In such an atmosphere, the boy was nurtured and reared. The war was over. The boy, over whom mother and father had prayed, had changed from a chattel, a thing of barter, to a free child belonging only to mother and father. What a change! Entering the public schools of Richmond, step by step, grade by grade, was passed with honor and public commendation until June 1878, when D. Webster Davis graduated from the Richmond High and Normal School receiving at the same time the essayist medal in eighteen eighty the subject of our sketch commenced to teach in the public schools of richmond and has taught therein continuously ever since and is to-day rated as one of the best and most progressive in the system september eighth eighteen ninety three Mr. Davis married Miss Lizzie Smith, a teacher in the Richmond Public Schools. From this happy union, three children have been born. On October 
1895, feeling that the time had come for him to be about his father's business, he was ordained to the ministry. From a child he babbled in verse, and the poetic muse brought in 1896 idle moments, and in 1898 way down south. These two books established the name of Reverend Mr. Davis as a poet, and have given him front rank with his contemporaries in verse-making. Guadalupe College, Seguin, Texas, recognizing the meritorious work of Reverend Davis, bestowed upon him the degree of A.M. in 1898. Reverend Mr. Davis is at present pastor of the Second Baptist Church in Manchester, where he has an ideal growing church of young folks, which work he began in 1895. In the winter of 1900, the Central Lyceum Bureau of Rochester, New York, engaged the services of Reverend Davis for a four-weeks reading tour, reading selections from his own works. The whole tour was an ovation, showing that texture of hair and color of skin cannot destroy that aristocracy of intellect that charmed inner circle wherein a man is a man for all that the lord has been good to reverend daniel webster davis blessing him with intellectual force blessing him with poetic utterance blessing him with oratorical ability blessing him in domestic felicity not yet in his prime yet so richly endowed in the gifts which make men strong and powerful it is hoped that he may be spared many years to work in the master's vineyard and many years to labor for the uplift of his race oppressed and downtrodden may he expand and grow greater remembering that he is god's servant endowed for the benefit of his race blessed so that he may bless his people made strong so that he may reach down and lift his people up growing brighter and better unto the present day to the superficial observer it would sometimes appear that the american negro did not make achievements commensurate with his opportunities during the nineteenth century yet on taking a more comprehensive view the student of history and sociology must decide in the affirmative in deciding upon the comparative progress of a race along the lines of a higher civilization care must be taken as to the standard by which he is to be measured and what has been his real opportunities civilization is a plant of slow growth as evidenced by the history of all nations that have accomplished great things in the past 
there is a difference as wide as the heavens between the refined and cultured Englishman of today and the rough, uncouth Norseman of the ninth century. But more than a thousand years were required to bring about that transformation. A difference as wide as the poles exists between the ancient Gauls who were conquered by the Franks in the 10th century and the Chesterfieldian Frenchmen of today. Yet the same time elapsed between these two periods. There is just as marked a difference in many respects between those twenty uncouth savages brought to the shores of Virginia in 1620 and the best specimens of the American Negro of today, and yet only 287 years lie between the former and the, the latter. The next question that naturally rises is, what have been the real opportunities of the American Negro? Brought here a savage from his native wilds, and thrown into abject and in many cases cruel slavery, he yet received from this iniquitous institution something of God. As Dr. Booker T. Washington so well says, he went into slavery practically without a language, and came out speaking the beautiful English, the finest language to convey thought ever devised by the mind of man. He went in without a god, and came out with the Christian religion. These are powerful agencies for civilization, and yet the debasing influence of slavery has done much to hinder, while it has done something to help him. Only a comparatively few Negroes came into direct contact with the best side of American civilization during slavery. The housemaids, coachmen, body servants, and in many cases the cooks, came in direct contact with the civilization of the great house, and their superiority, and in many cases that of their ancestry, is still apparent. The cornfield negro, and they outnumbered the others two hundred to one, received none of the influences of this civilization, and none of the opportunities accorded to the more favored servants around the great house. When we take into consideration all of these circumstances, coupled with the fact that when cut loose from slavery in 1865, it was a matter of root hog or die with him for many years, and that only thirty-six years have passed away since this happy event, his achievements have been marvelous. Optimist, as I try to be, I am not one of those who believe that the Negro has reached the delectable mountain, and that he is as good as anybody else. He is far from perfection, 
far from comparison with the more favored anglo-saxon in wealth and culture yet he has made progress commensurate with his opportunities it is a well-known philosophical axiom that action is equal to reaction and in a contrary direction the american negro is now meeting the reaction consequent upon his violent action in the direction of civilization and culture but this reaction is only temporary and even the realization of his condition by the leading thinkers of his race is a sign of hope and an evidence of substantial progress that must tell for good now what achievements did he make first as to wealth according to the census of nineteen hundred he has forty million dollars in church property and twelve millions in school property he has a hundred and forty thousand farms worth seven hundred and fifty million dollars and one hundred and seventy million dollars in personal property this is the result of thirty-six years of freedom one noticeable feature is that the great bulk of his wealth has been accumulated in the south where the large majority of american negroes live no one fact is more startling in history than that a people once held as slaves have been able to live and thrive among the very people by whom they were held this accentuates the fact that after all nowhere has the negro better friends than can be found among the white people of the southland his property aggregates seventy five dollars per capita for every man woman and child in this country which is certainly no mean showing for thirty-six years of freedom as to education he has reduced his illiteracy forty-five per cent he has written more than five hundred books publishes three hundred newspapers three of them dailies he has produced two thousand lawyers a still larger number of doctors and thirty-two thousand teachers he supports several colleges seventeen academies fifty high schools five law schools five medical schools and twenty-five theological seminaries it is true that all of the education he is obtaining is not practical and also true that many so-called educated ones are shiftless and trifling but this is no more than was to be expected under the circumstances he has built twenty-nine thousand churches and this must mean something it is true that in the past his ministers have in many cases appealed to the passions rather than to the intellect and yet under these old preachers many of them honest earnest and godly men 
the negro has made gigantic strides in morality he is yet far very far below what we would like to see him but he is coming the new gospel of work is striking a responsive chord in the american negro's heart and he is beginning to see that he must be able to do something if he would be something happily for him he learned to work during the dark days of the past it only remained for him to learn to put brains in his work this he is fast learning under the apostles of industrial training since the fiat went forth amid the groves of eden when man lost his first estate by the sweat of thy brow shalt thou eat bread god has never reversed his edict work must be his salvation as it has been the salvation of all other races to put into poetry the words of an old friend i got no education but this knows true that raisin gals too good to work ain't never gwine to do these boys dat look good enough to eat but too good to saw de logs am tying us as fast as smoke to land us at the dogs these great achievements have not been accomplished alone the great american home mission society the american mission association the freedmen's bureau and the various churches and societies of the north and south have contributed liberally of their time and means to aid us in an upward struggle the south itself has contributed its millions to the aid of their former slaves they have given for his schools they have aided him in building his churches and there is scarcely a single home among us humble or palatial that has not been erected largely by the aid of southern capital but for the friendly aid of these people among whom the great bulk of the american negroes live we could never have climbed as far as we have on the ladder of progress the negro is fast learning that if he would be free he himself must strike the blow and he is teaching his children the gospel of self-help the heights are still beyond but he is slowly rising and day by day hope grows brighter may god continue this progress until he shall stand shoulder to shoulder with the highest civilization and culture of the world end of topic one fifth paper